Nisam bolibu naka na turan kina marama na varbao kina ngane lewa. Anisema tiko maya na salem ni mwane liba liba kina kakambara ki waka yodari tika nyango. Senga talanga ni ngule vabio ero na turan kina marama bali na sanu tolu kumbuna buru maksanga kina matani tu vayo kanino tovata tulo saka. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Mike Kali Cruz Laundry and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Fijians podcast where the Everyday Fijian shares the everyday story in the everyday world. Without further ado, I just want to welcome all our guests, whether they be here in Australia or literally around the world. I just want to say we are Bula. Hope all is well where you are, where you're residing. And I'm just thankful that um, they'll be taking a part of your time to listen to another fresh episode. But without further ado, I do hope that you enjoyed the last episode featuring Mr. Keenan Hughes. Not on top of that, um, at the time of this recording or at the time of this intro, Keenan, you'll be hearing this, bro. Thank you so much. Because on top of that as well, you're the fastest to go past 300 downloads on the last podcast. So you must have a pretty um, big fan based Tangani. So not only that, but also a massive shout out to all those that listened and also that listened and, uh, you know, downloaded um, because you just skyrocketed the skyrocketed the podcast ratings to a, to a massive high. But on top of that as well, I just want to say thank you to all those that uh, left a review, left a rating. It means a lot, uh, just to especially see where the podcast is now. And I'm just thankful to, um, to see that because it just makes me um, just to continue on, makes me want to continue on, sorry, and move on, and especially in doing the Everyday Fusions podcast. So without further ado, our next guest for this week is a gentleman that I've known for many years, and it was an honor and privilege to have uh, Mr. Mo Lalakombo on the podcast. Um, it was a privilege and honor to hear his story as an Everyday Fijian. And you'll see, you'll see an insight of what um what it was like, especially being one of the first, probably not the first, but you know, the first few, yeah, probably the first few years that came during the 70s, 80s, where times were different back then. But look, I'll leave it to you, to him to share it during this podcast. But on top of that as well, look, the podcast is available on all media streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, and of course, the rest of it. <laughs> so in saying that, um, look, I'm your host and... And I'm your host, and listen and enjoy the next podcast of the Everyday Fijians, where the Everyday Fijian shares the everyday story in the everyday world. Benaka, take care. Move it. Nisan Bole Benaka, Everyday Fijian listeners. This is my Kali Cruz, your host here. So look, we've got another fresh episode here. So I'm here with another, here with another Everyday Fijian who's about to share his everyday story in the everyday world. I'm here with Mo. Mo, how's it going? Awesome, man. All right, so Mo, let's get straight into Tangan. So Mo, what is your full name? Your My full, full name, you'll end up speaking in tongues, bro. <laughs> it's Ilimotama. Yep. Madulalakumbo. All right, said. And Mo, where where is your where do your parents hail from? Mum and Dad's village. Okay, so Dad is from um, Madwata. Yep. Uh, Dongutuki. Uh, Matangali is uh, Ngali Leka. Okay. So, you know, in Dongatuki, we, we, we're very proud because, you know, the, the famous uh, Ratu Kolia, the one, you know, the warrior that killed um, uh, Mafu's right-hand man. What's his name? Uh, Wanigolo. Okay. Wanigolo. Yep. So, it was our warrior, Ratu Kolia, that, that, uh, that killed him, supposedly, you know. <laughs> so, he hails from Dongatuki, mate, you know. <laughs> Uh, Namuka, you know, because Dongatuki and all that were under the, you know, prior to, uh, what's his name, Ratu... Uh, who divided all the 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 provinces later on after I think uh, just before World War Two or just after World War Two, um, I think uh, see Namuka um, Namuka was the major up in uh, Madawata you, there. You mean before you know not Ratu Sukuna, no? Ratu Sukuna. Ah, okay. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. because you had you know because Dokun Robe yeah. and all that Vanuatu Lava was under Dokun Robe. Okay. Yeah. So prior to that, that was part of their. The people, yeah. Um, but then when Rata Sukuna he divided it, then Lokon Robe became part of uh, Lao and all that. So, um, yeah, so dad and dad are from Dongatuki, our village is with uh, Vitina, yeah. Um, mom is from Lokon Robe, Tawake, and yeah, her Matangali is Seureti. Wow, so combination of no level there, yeah, man. <laughs> all right, the big okay. land, the big land, dude. <laughs> that's awesome, bro. <laughs> So yeah, well, of course, my grandma comes from um, from my, my side, but my grandmother, grandma's so mum's 
mom's yeah, mom's side come from Bua. Ah. So of course you know the Bulare, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's wonderful, man. Okay. Now, well, let's get straight. It's wonderful that you even acknowledge your Matangali and also your history of it. So it's wonderful to hear that, bro. So shout out to all those in Magawata and also in Vakondrovi. Okay, so without further ado, bro, I'm going to give this to you the moment for your early upbringing. Yep, uh, my yeah. early upbringing, well, you know, we came as uh, we lived in, um, I was born in Singatoka yep. Hospital. Hakwanandro. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've forgotten all my Nandro, but apparently I was to uh, be very fluent. And as I was saying in the other podcast, you know, uh, uh, apparently my cousins remind me that I swore beautifully in, uh, in the Nandro dialect. Yep. You know, nothing to be proud of, but uh, yeah. So uh, we, dad came, uh, uh, was studying. He was a minister in the Methodist Church, so he was studying. What uh, was in Melbourne, um, and then uh, that was in the mid seventies. And then uh, in seventy six, seventy seven, we dad brought us all over, and we, um, he, you know, he's calling in Newcastle, Maitland, mining town. There it was like spot the black. Um, <laughs> You know, um, you know, is this this one Fijian, one island community uh, family amongst this whole white um, uh, community, and and that was so good. I mean, like you know, I never experienced the racism as harsh as probably my older siblings, but the the church community, the Methodist church community there were very inviting. They were so good to us. So um, so the early years, yeah, we grew up um, in the Methodist work in Maitland. Then Dad shifted towards. Um, uh, he got the call to go down and help out with the, the Tongan work. Um, that thus you have the Tongan Methodist Church here. We started off with uh, Pastor Dohema at the the famous. Uh, if, if you you know the Tongans, they they, they know the famous Haberfield Hostel because that's where all the Tongans that flew from Tonga yep. came to that hostel, fresh as you know. So they were mate, fresh, you know, and mate, it's uh, another level. You know, <laughs> sorry, my Tongan brethren, you know. But um, yeah, so we ended up being there for several years, and you know, um, yeah, Dad was there uh, helping out with Pastor Dohema. But at the same time, they were starting the, their own work, and you know, that's where you know the the, the Annandale Church. You know, um, we were fortunate fortunate enough to be part of that um, uh, the genesis there of it. You know, we had people like Diseka and Diseka, uh, 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 who else was it, Ngata, uh, all these people I'm trying to remember. And um, just, just to name a couple of numbers, but probably a handful of people that you started off and that we used to have church in the kitchen. They used to have a massive kitchen in the, the hostel. I mean, this hostel was huge, man. It was massive. And so we used to have the, the kitchen area. And then eventually in time, we transitioned uh, to Annandale. And then that's the Annandale Church started, you know, and uh, but at the same time, you know, you had, you know, the Lotus that were already here and you were saying in the like, like the other podcast because they were already already up in Ericala. Just to kind of what I uh, remember that uh, when I was kind of reading through some of the stuff, you know, the, the, the Lotus have actually been here. Uh, they've, I think their great, great grandfather, so one of their great, great, great uncles um, actually was a missionary in Tasmania back in 1890s. So that's an interesting thing. If you have a look, there was a there was a Taniela Lotu wow. uh, in there in the eighteen nineties. Yeah, that was interesting. So, so could that, you know, I may some listeners may have their views on this. Could this could have then been the first one of the first Fijians? That's what that's what that's what I'm thinking. You know, yeah. um, they have it in the archives. So if you kind of look it up, then I think if um, uh, and they have, actually have a picture of it. You know. Um, and I th- yeah, they actually have a picture of him. So um, that that was kind of freaky to kind of know that. But yeah, so we were part of this early work. Um, uh, you know, mum and dad. You know, um, who are already kind of doing a lot of missionary work in Fiji themselves, and now kind of come in as overseas missionaries. So um, so yeah, we started in Maitland, ended up in Haberfield, and then at Can- at uh, Annandale, which is today. It's the roots of Canterbury, the, the current Canterbury Fijian Church. Oh, up the road. Okay. Yeah, so, so it all started in Annandale. All started in Annandale. And then, then they got the property in, um, in Canterbury. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, back in those days, I'm, you know, you, you wouldn't have been born back then. You no, know, you had famous, mind. like, uh, Australian ministers uh, in the Methodist. He was uh, Reverend Peter Davis. 
um, he was like, um, and he spoke fluent Fijian. It's white Australian. Have a look. You know, when you get a chance, you look this guy I think up. That, I think Reverend I saw, Peter Davis. Your mum and dad would would have known. Yeah, yeah, would have so been a mom, familiar yeah, name. Because I remember seeing. I remember mum, um, of course, the website, uh, matumubare.com. Oh, yeah, 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 of, yeah, yeah. Of most regions. And I remember um, there was this, this must have been the gentleman, uh, where he was, um, you know, see that very old fella. And he was like, mum said, oh, see this man? This man can speak fluent, fluent Fijian. And then, uh, yeah, he's preaching Fijian. Yeah, and as a teenager, he said, okay, oh, that's awesome, mum. But yeah, yeah, but that's yeah, I heard of it, yeah, I heard about yeah. that. So um, yeah, bro, when I think back about the Fijian community back in the days when we were here, again, you know, it's just that's there were memories I, I cherish forever. You know, I mm. love growing up in the community, um, knowing a lot of the people that we know today um, in our church, in our Pentecostal church. A lot of us grew up together. You yeah. know, like you know, when I think about brother talk on that, I remember when they were teenagers, I was a little brat. You know, and um, you know. Toko and his his twin brother Navi, yep. you know um, Caleb and that's father. You yes. know, so we all grew up together, man. Like they were they. I mean, they grew up with my older siblings, you know. But um, yeah, they, they were always at our homes because Dad being the pastor, we'd have the community, the church. A lot of the church families would be coming. Dad would be doing a lot of the family counsel, the marriage counseling back at home. So again, you know, we grew up with the people like you know the Fotofilis, you know Vitinia. Um, in Diseka, as I mentioned, um, uh, yeah, all these families, man, to say, and that's family. You know, my, my yeah. dad was very, her father was very close to my dad. Because it's, it's amazing how you mentioned, Mo, that, you know, coming to Australia during the 70s, um, during the 70s, and of course that started the migration due to Whitlam coming in and opening the door yes. to migration, because prior to that was, of course, the white Australian policy. And with him, you know, with him opened that. Um, on top of that, all of you migrating as well. Did you see that, of course, still in a, you know in the predominant majority white um, you know white white Australia back then, you know hanging around hanging around amongst the Fijian community still sense of, they still give you a sense okay we may be in another land maybe in another foreign land, but amongst the Fijian community we still feel like we're back home. Um, yes, you know I think that I think that's relevant to a lot of the. The emerging communities at the time, where the Tongan, Samoan, um, you know, Samoan community was very small. Mm. You know, back in the days, it was mainly. Um, I remember the eighties when we moved down here. Um, you had the Maori community, for example, and you'd know all the Kiwis came from Bondi. You know, that's where the community is. You yeah. know, and that's all shifted, right? So, um, and then the Fijian communities. There were a lot of Fijians already migrating, but we were kind of scattered everywhere. Yes, you know, so. Um, so the Tongans, see a lot of the Tongans, um, the, you know, we were right there at the, the core of the Tongan community in Haberfield. Mm. And that that was the, the, the core of the current, you know, the, a lot of the fam, Tongan family, Methodist families now today, they all started from Haberfield. And all the ch- Methodist churches that you have now, the Tongan all started at Haberfield. Yeah, because that's a good point you brought up because there's a, there's a Methodist church in Tempe there used to be a Methodist church, if you remember, bro, um, Tongan one in, um, it's Redfern. It was in Redfern. It used to be a Tongan Methodist church, but they've changed it into a chef's kitchen. Oh, like a store. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's amazing that you brought that up. But also, you just brought up about the living area. See, like, Maori's in Bondi. Yeah, when yeah. you look at Bondi right now, so to those that listen, Bondi is like, you know, the tourist, number one tourist yeah. attraction in Sydney. When you look at one that's filled with backpackers and of course the rich and rent over there is not cheap like before. Annandale. Annandale is another example as well. You know, like as you mentioned, you know, that was a place where the Fijian up, but now it's a place where it's very it's not it's not cheap but still it's up there in living costs. And as you mentioned with the people you know, how Fijian was scattered, I can agree to that because my mom my mom at the Fijian community they had a community in Cronulla. Yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly. But now when you look at Cronulla now, rents, rent, yeah, I think, is yeah. like 500 and up. Buying a house is like close to a million. So it was like, yeah, it was yeah. way different back in those days. Yeah, it was, it was. You know, with, um, you know, like councils are very smart, you know. <laughs> when they want to kind of change the, their community, they just raise the rent. <laughs> you know, that's what they do. They want to kind of change the type of community that's there. They raise the rent up, <laughs> you know, because we, we all grew up in, in a West. So when we, as we kind of grew up here in the 80s, um, as we begin to kind of um, uh, integrate, um, we grew up in the West. Like, mm. you know, church was in Andal. We, we, 
grew up basically I, I did my high school in Nashville boys between Nashville boys and Canterbury so we grew up in Nashville you know and like as you're saying you know property in Nashville now is a fortune mm. Asheville Burwood yeah all those surrounding suburbs Croydon yeah, multi million dollar properties now and yeah. it's now more of a um, it's more of my view it's an Asian community but it's like mixed they're like Chinese South Koreans oh, yeah. Japanese yeah. yes Back in the days, all the bakeries were Italian. You know, wow. nobody would have known that. But I remember, you know, um, you know, in the eighties when all the bakeries were owned by Italians and Greeks, and so uh, mate, and their bakery was unbelievable. I mean, you can only get that kind of stuff now if you go to Haverfield. Mm. You know, that vintage Italian bakery. Yeah. You know, pastry kind of thing. It's all. It's still there. That that culture is very. It's still living and existing, but <laughs> really between Leichhardt and but more so Haberfield. Mm. So, and then I saw that transition. I remember one time because I so love my, my dad, seven o'clock every morning would go to the Italian bakery right across the road from Asheville Station. And so, and I used to look forward for it every morning because you know, these, the, the buns, oh mate, they were unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, uh, the bakeries were sold out to uh, Chinese, Asians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and thus we have these, they own every all the bakeries now. Yeah, and um, and same with the barbers. So back in the days, all the barbers again were Italians and Greeks. But now it's more Middle Eastern. More Middle Eastern. Yeah. So the the shift of the communities, you know, and nationalities, you know, the yeah, well that whole multicultural um, thing. Yeah, we we got to really see that diverse in the eighties. Mm. You know, and um, yeah, and as we were saying, you know, the Tongan communities. So, you know, I went to primary school in Haverfield, and it was funny. It was like. I was the only Fijian kid that was walking with about 20 Tongan kids and we'd be all going back, you know. And so, so again, that's because all my good mates are Tongans, you know, because I grew up with them. I've known them since they were in their nappies, you know. But again, uh, some of them we met at high school, but that whole community was kind of just concentrated in like, say, between Asheville, Bill with the Tongan community and Campsie. You know, um, and Samoan community, they didn't really begin, begin to divine their presence around after the late 80s. And because I remember one of them, the, if I could say, oh, well, the Methodist minister, I guess uh, his name was, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, they were all good friends with my dad, you know, when they were running a small Samoan church here. Um, I forgot where it was, but. Um, uh, yeah, and that was small. And then all of a sudden, I remember it was about 87, 88. Then all of a sudden, the, again, um, the, uh, the floodgates opened and all the Samoans, majority of the Samoans were coming from Auckland. Um, and, you know, and so this whole new community of Pacific Islanders, because the Tongans and, and Fijians, Maldives, the Maldives have been here before the 70s. You know, they were already you know, transitioning over. But um, the Tongans were like the Fijians between 70, uh, and I think they more came towards the, the early 80s. Um, but the Fijians, I think, was like, with like us, mum and dad, that will come in between the late 70s. Yeah, they're the same as my mum and yeah, dad as well. In the late 70s. My mum my and dad, they actually had met here. They met here, then got married, and then I was born in 89. Yeah, oh, okay. But it's amazing how you mentioned about the Tongan community, like Bellwood, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burwood, uh, Burwood, Campsie, uh, what was that, Croydon Park? Croydon Park. It's still yeah. strong today. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, still yeah, strong yeah, yeah, today. yeah. And it's not anymore strong, it's like grown more. Yeah, with yeah. a mixture of like, yeah. now, you, now they, they stayed there. Yeah, it's more know? like, more like Pacifica now. Yeah, yeah. So. They really, yeah, um, and you know, when it's the, the different type of cultural, you know, where the Fijians were... Um, and, and you can tell this, like, you know, if you, if you did a breakdown of the demographics, you know, um, you know, the different types of the, uh, Fijians that are employed, you know, in their professions, mm. you know, it, it give you a different kind of why we, we live in certain areas. Yeah. And so uh, professionally, you know, uh, back in the day, there's more Fijians in professional jobs, you know, than what they were talking to Samoans. Samoans were just coming in. But, you know, I think all that's kind of changed, but the majority of the, the you know, and then the different, yeah, as I said, it's really interesting if you looked at demographics, you know, and seeing the, um, the different type of professions, you know, the Fijians were doing compared to say, and, and it's like with criminals, you know, back in the, the early 90s and um, the late 80s and up to 2000s, um, you could tell the difference between the Pacific Island uh, offenders 
you know, the type of crimes that they were doing, you know. So, um, you know, where you would have uh, Tongans were more, you know, violent crimes, you know, um, they were more involved in GBHs, you know, grievously bodily harm. Um, yeah, you put, you and, just remind me of that, um, that Constable McAnally, who got um, I think shot. shot by a Tongan or was, um, yes, yeah, yes, he's, think, he's uh, serving life now. Yeah, yeah, what's his name? I was actually inside with him, wow. but uh, in a different pod. We never kind of communicated, but he was in, I think, pod 10. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, the... Oh, gosh, it's just crossed my... The, the surname. The, and, and see, and the, the problem there was that these kids are raised up here, and, you know, your typical Tongan, you know, and so, again, they're, they're raised up here. They come from a Tongan family that's come that's quite dysfunctional. You know, it's not your normal Tongan... Um, say Methodist going, you know, church going, Tongan family. You know, th- these people were. You, know, you look at their, their 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 lifestyle and their family lifestyle. Their parents were dysfunctional. You know, they weren't church goers. They weren't. So the kids grew up in this kind of environment where they were just loose, and so thus they became really bad criminals. You know, um, um, yeah. So that's interesting. You know, when you look at the demographics. You know, in regards to. Um, you know, the types of, you know, back in the days with juvenile justice, because when I was doing social work, I, I remember, and because I, I was doing part of a mentor program and doing case working and working with my sister in uh, juvenile justice, you know, I'd been going in there running group works and programs and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, and they could uh, identify Pacific, they identified Pacific Islanders, uh, if they wanted to kind of reach the community, they would then um, look at the different churches. So they'd split them by churches. So they, they could tell you how many kids were coming from the AOG, how many kids were coming from the Sevies, and how many were coming from the Methodist, which was surprising because a lot of the Fijian offenders were coming from both the AOG and um, Seven Days um, churches. Mm. And, um, and the Methodists weren't highly... Rep- they weren't being represented in the, in the juvenile system or even in the prison system like um, the way the AOGs and uh, the and so that had to do with a lot about you know identity you know the issues around identity and um, where the Methodists why weren't they being you know these young people young offenders why weren't they being as represented as highly as the AOG kids Fijian kids you know um, and so you know so there was that whole thing of because of the Methodists are very cultural very hard on there even though they drink kava and all that kind of stuff you know um um, is it because of that? Because of this sense of community with the Methodists, you know, um, they're more accepting in that sense, you know, whereas in the AOGs and Fijian kids were struggling with their identity. You know, they, they're going to churches that are preaching that you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't be drinking, you can't be where there's a tolerance in the Methodist church in regards to that. And uh, so, yeah, there was all these kind of, you know, um, and so you had all these programs and fundings and all that kind of stuff to kind of try to deal with. Mm. How about, what was it like to see, you know, there's big change for us during our generation, well, my generation of primary school, your generation of primary school education. What was it like for um, doing your primary school days or high school days? Oh, man, I had an awesome time. I had, I had a great experience in primary school. Loved my primary school that I grew up in, say, Haberfield. Shout again, out to Haberfield. Haberfield, Haberfield primary, man. <laughs> and again, because Haberfield primary was predominantly Italian. Ah. So we grew up, all of us, with the Tongan. There was this, it was very multicultural, you know, yeah, predominantly Italians, you know. And so I grew up with all my mates were Massimo, Lino. Um, yeah, so really good. I had a really good experience in, uh, you know, um, growing up uh, as a young Pacific Islander in the primary school. And I think that had to do with the community we were with, with the Tongan community. Yeah. We did everything together. Um, you know, I, I was bullied by the Tongans, you know, being the only Fijian, which is, I think, is inevitable, yeah. you know, which then kind of made me, when I got to high school, I started fighting back with a lot of the Tongan boys, you know. Was was corporal punishment around during your primary school days, or did they just... Yes, yes. Oh, they still had corporal yeah, punishment? Yeah, so we had, I mean, I got the cane a couple of times when I was in primary school, wow. even up to high school, and then I think when I got to about year seven or year eight, it stopped. Oh. Yeah, that, oh, we're still getting the canes in primary school. You know, um, I remember that. Yeah, we're still still getting the canes, man. Like, I think, yeah, I think it, it stopped either in year seven or yeah. year eight when I was in high school. In actual boys. Yeah, actual boys. Okay. So, yeah, so my primary school years were at Haberfield, predominantly Italian. 
Um, again, you know, that whole thing with multicultural, um, the community was very multicultural. Mm. And then again, going to Asheville Boys. Um, and that, you know, when you went to high school, that was just a whole new world. Um, you know, uh, the world of, um, what do you call it? It was just, um, yeah, it was it's absolutely new world. Because then there, you know, you, 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 you would see... Um, uh, you know, Arabic uh, communities. Yeah. It, it was really, it's like, wow, it was a whole new world for me. So you saw the emergence of so, other communities. So as the 90s, more we've seen the more the version of the Middle Eastern community coming. Oh, yeah, out. and they'll come. Look, the, the, the presence of, the presence, um, the communities of the, the Arab community, they've been here for a long time. Mm. You know, you're going back, you know, if you ever went to Kamsid, but they closed in, in Kamsid, they used to have a, the, pool, the snooker table there. A uh, place called La Hood's. Okay. And La Hood, um, and I, I remember going to Canterbury Boys after I got kicked out of Asheville. You know, I ended up going to where all the dropouts went was Canterbury Boys. High school of John Howard. From the yeah, yeah, John Howard was so proud of it. Yeah, we were all kind of half illiterate. And <laughs> we all had social problems at all, oh, man. It yeah. was crazy. But um, yeah, at Campsy, for example, you go into La Hood's, and La Hood would have a whole, his whole family kind of photo, you know, his granddad, his uncles and granddads who served in, you know, World War Two and one that served in World War One. So they went right back, you know, so you had, um, and then you had the influx of, especially in the late 80s, uh, earlier 80s when the, the war in Lebanon, you know, yes. a lot of our uncles would have been going back of and course. forth from there. Yep, the, under the UN, when the Fijians yeah. were going, um, my, my two uncles, they passed on, um, sorry, one of my uncles, they went, they went to Lebanon, but I won't miss that. But I've had many family members, and of course, the stories will go to Israel. Stories will go to yes, Damascus, yes, yes, Syria, yes. and all those places. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. No, that uh, high school really opened up a whole new world because you know, as a child, because you, you're kind of just confined, you know, um, because you're young. You know, you're just going from school and home, mm. and 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 your world is is there. You know, so when you go to high school. You see in all different types of walks of life. So, you yeah. know, you see the Vietnamese and the the whole Asian community. Uh, you know, so that was you know huge. And um, but high school was there. and then to say you know the league, you know I had a lot of my you know my Fijian my Fijian cousins and our um, uh, family friends that we all went to church. They were actual boys and they they were running a mark back in the days. You know. Yeah, it's it's. Especially when you mentioned Nashville Boys, one of my cousins when he he graduated in two thousand five, Hezron, he was on the five previous podcast. Oh wow! But you probably heard this that a year uh, back in two thousand four, there was an unfortunate tragedy involving one of the students by the name of Dennis Liana. I don't know if you heard this. He got involved in a car. Um, it was a joyriding accident, joyriding that went wrong, and unfortunately he passed away. And he was a student of Nashville Boys. Wow! Wow! So. You know, it's amazing how you mentioned Nashville Boys and, of course, the history in there, but also... Yeah, man, we're, we're famous for ACDC, man. You know, <laughs> like when we're actually Angus Young, you know, yes. you wear the school uniform. <laughs> and, you know, we're all doing the devil sign, you know, not not realising it was the devil sign, you know. And on top of that as well, it just shows, you know, just as you mentioned about the juvenile system and all this and that, it just shows, you know, as young people, we think we're immortals. We think that, they, you know, we cannot be harmed by death, but, you know... Once, once it happens, it's like, oh, man, just shows the fragility of life. But on top of that as well, like just as you mentioned, Angus Young, you know, ACDC, you know, other people, John Howard, going to count with boys. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. What are, the, you know, what are the things can you recall, or not even just recall, what are the differences you see now, especially you're now a father, you know, you're a father now, what your children, what differences do you see um, compared to what they're going through in high school now? Is it yeah. like a very big difference? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think because like, um, you know, uh, you know, you, you've got third generation Fijians now. You know, my kids are third generation. Mm. You know, so um, so a lot of the 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 conflicts, the struggles that we that I had um, growing up, you know, between the eighties and nineties. You know, my kids won't experience that. You know, um, I mean, they'll have their own kind of because a lot of this stuff is kind of ex there's the the exceptions, you know, in regards to a lot of the things that we were struggling with, from you know kids from Pacific backgrounds, you know, and um, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's just I, I think one of the things I 
what's something that's that's really um, I think I think we're more informed you know mm. our communities are much more informed it's taken a lot of time yeah you know um, to be informed about you know just for example services that are out there that can you know that we can access mm. you know um, back in the days you didn't you know it was just church church that was home. your family and your life yeah and, and it all stayed there that was it you know um and it was dealt with everything, everything, you know, everything that transpired out of the family uh, was was dealt within the community, mm. you know. And so when we were coming, when we were kind of growing up, we were then kind of, you know, kids like myself, you know, um, we began to challenge those boundaries. You know, I, I was growing up challenging a lot of the, you know, the cultural norms. You know, oh, you're a pastor's kid. I mean, that's something every PK kid does, you know, they, they're constantly kind of, challenging their family boundaries you know but uh, uh, just just within um yeah I, I i began to kind of challenge i wasn't your typical methodist kid you know mm. um yeah. i was that typical methodist kid i wanted to do my own things you know hanging out with my own friends not just be kind of confined to i started wanting to explore that so um but i think we're here like say my kids now and, and you know my nephews and all that you know like they're going to schools where it's predominantly islanders you know so it, it, it's kind of it's changed it's things. really changed yeah. you know or you know and um, yes yeah, so and I, I think with, with things that have changed like you know the opportunities you know educational opportunities um, you know a lot of our parents came and they just worked you know that's all they did put their heads down they worked hard you know, to provide just your, you know, just to, so that we could be living and have food on the table. Um, and, and so again, you know, um, with this generation now is they have the opportunities. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you know, um, uh, yeah. So they, they've haven't had to kind of go. So again, that issue of resilience, I don't know, um, this generation that's growing up now, their resiliency is just totally not good, not healthy. <laughs> and that's due to because of, you know, because of, um, you know, I think it's just one of those cultural kind of things that, that's happened and it's kind of, you know, and unfortunately these kids are, uh, their resilience levels are uh, uh, just disastrous. Mm. You know, some of the things that I would say, you know, these kids are struggling with, it's like, man, you know, like, harden up. Like, serious? You know, but... You know, again, it's a it's a big learning process for parents, for community leaders, for you know, um, and I, I just think that's why it's so that we we don't remain. I think for a long time our communities were ignorant. You know, we chose to be like that because we we're comfortable. You know, and um, but now they, you know, and then when you know our kids and that began to the crime rates started to kind of really escalate in our communities. Um, and then you had the services that some of our people were involved in, myself. And I remember this, like, because, you know, the FYI, Fiji Youth Initiative. Yes, yes. Well, we started that. Mm. It was uh, Brother Sev, yep. myself, my sister, Tia Rocco. And, um, and it started all in Sev's room. And so they, and, and began to kind of, and, and that's why, like, I think Sev's still, <laughs> Sev's still there, right? He's still, I think he's one with Trey. Yes. So, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, I look back. You know, when you just think about, um, and, and, you know, where it's, you know, you know, you've got people like Trey now, you know, who have, uh, you know, like George, Georgie Rabulo. Uh, yes, Professor. You know, yes. Yeah, Professor. I mean, yeah. like, I knew that guy before he was just studying. He's such a nice guy and he still is. And they're, they're you know, we've got these people now, you know, this generation that have access to these people that are not just community leaders, they're educated. Mm. You know, they're professionals in their, in, in their, in their jobs, you know. And, and I think that's one of the, one of the, one of the real positive changes is now we have um, people of Pacific backgrounds that are now in these professions that now can help the community. Yeah, because it's amazing that you mentioned it. Because, of course, yourself, you were worked in the community. And just before this podcast, of, um, before we started, we were talking about that you, um, you helped that one particular student was uh, um, talking by name Jonah. Yeah, yeah. And for those that are listening, of course, there was a show called Jonah from Tonga. Because his name was actually John. Yes. The Tongan kid. That was and um, that show has been taken down by Netflix and other streaming services. Because wow, I didn't realise that. Yeah, because I didn't realise that they... Um, 
Yeah, because it was discriminatory. Um, because it was you know, racial discrimination. And yeah. It was you know satire, and it was of course the real behind was um the the student new mental. Yeah, yeah. So um, and if you I don't know if it's still in the archives. You'll see him that it was on ABC. Oh, wow. I remember you were on ABC. Yeah, yeah, I remember we watching, did the interview. I was watching, I was in year 12 back in Endeavor oh, Sports. Oh, wow. I saw, hey, that's Mo. Wow. So, yeah. I was watching on community, you know, helping out in the community. But back to you, man. What was it like for you doing that, you know, post high school and doing that sort of community work and trying to help? Oh, out? it was so fulfilling. Mm. You know, um, you know, and that had to do with part of, you know, my life. You know, I'd given my life over to Christ and I was living... You know, um, so there were all these kind of things happening in my life at that time where I was, um, you know, become a Christian. So my values and outlooks and perceptions were changed. Mm. And so, you know, and I wanted to give back to the community. I really wanted to kind of give back. And, and, I, I, and you know, um, and doing youth work, um, you know, I work for, you know, because uh, my, my, you know, we've been fortunate again, you know, because my, my, my auntie, she was one of the founders of Peewas. Uh, Pacific Island Women's Association oh, wow. and they were huge I mean they are like one of the pinnacles for the Pacific communities and the services that are that are current today uh, mm. PWIS was uh, they were forerunners you know and they were a bunch of Pacific Island women oh, well they were like my mom my aunt my, it was my auntie and some like Vitinia they were all this group of educated um, people who had um, you know um, and I you know when I look back and I just think how fortunate um, you know these people, yeah, and 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 and, and um, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So doing casework, it was something that was in my family. You know, doing social work. So, but then you know, again, because I was going through those changes in my life, I've become a Christian. I really wanted to give back to the community, and and I found it really fulfilling to be able to kind of. Um, you know, to to you know, if I could just make that little change, you know, or just be there for the kid and him talk, you know. But um, but I really got to learn a lot. You know, I really learned a lot about um, you know, working with young people, running groups. Um, because I, I started off doing group work with Rosemount Family Services, and we do like twelve week programs. Mm. You know, and uh, then eventually from there went to Perks Pacific uh, Education Resource Centre. Um, which was run by David Harris, but it was actually funded by Pewis, you know. So and then, um, so I had thirteen schools in my local LGA. So you know, everything from Canterbury Boys, the school that I used to go to, to um, Canterbury Girls, and so I got the experience to run groups every week. So I was like, I could, I did, I was project managing my own, my own um, projects, you know, through Pewis. So that was a great experience, you know, because um, it was the first of its kind. And, you know, and then doing casework that was, you know, you know, I'm going to all these schools and it was and it was one awesome thing about it was that, you know, I started with the, the amount of, um, you know, um, you know, working in girls, like because I was going to girls schools, I had Canterbury Girls, um, Wiley Park Girls, Bankstown Girls, um, yeah, so I, high schools, you know, so I'd be going in there running groups and then do one on one sessions with certain kids. And, you know, and then, you know, um, again, having to kind of, uh, one of the things was educating the community regarding, say, stuff like sexual abuse, which was rampant, you know, rampant in the communities. It wasn't, it, it wasn't kind of, um, you know, uh, it, 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 it didn't distinguish between Fijian, Samoan, Cook Islander. It was just in all of our communities. That was one of the big issues, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and that for me was, you know, challenging, um, having to process, you know, like seeing what these kids go through in regards yeah. to, um, you know, the abuse, sexual abuse. Um, and that's one thing our young females were going through was a lot of sexual abuse, you know, by perpetrators, their uncles, their, their dads. And, and that was that was eye-opening you know because it was very confronting would that did that lead to also increase in teenage pregnancy during those times as well yeah or? i think yeah definitely you know i think it was part and parcel of the whole um uh you know uh, things that our communities were dealing with you know and yeah they, they would have been yeah you know yeah contributing to that definitely because it was also contributing to the you know i know as overall it was definitely contributing to you know the crime 
you know, both in the female ju- justice system and um, in the male justice system. You know, it's freaky because I'd go to Yasma, and, and fortunate enough because my sister was running Juniper Arena, she was the boss at, down at Yasma. Yep. So I'd go in and do programs, but then, you know, seeing these young Fijian girls, you know, um, and again, because they came, I knew their families, mm. and they came from good families. Yeah. Yet, and what we don't realize because these families, uh, the dysfunction, you know, and yep. again, it was kind of our community, you know, again, you know, all around, you know, dealing with, um, you know, like, you know, nobody wants to go counseling, you know, in our communities. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one, it's interesting to hear because as well, could it be, I mean, did you have at times some, you know, some of them, you know, they were too afraid to speak up? Knowing oh, that absolutely. They, yeah, they shared what yeah. they shared, knowing, okay, they've just opened... They've just opened the door. What's you know what's happening behind closed doors? Now. Yeah, yeah. And I, like I've heard stories from myself where you know some of their uncles or family members were say you know priests or pastors. Oh yeah. And if, you know if they shared it out, you know it'll cause a it'll cause a split in the church and that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Because like and and I think that's you know again because of um, the the. The, how we're brought up, yeah. you know, and 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 and, the, and 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 that you know, unfortunately, that's how we're kind of conditioned, you know, and um, and then when you're trying to break out of it, it it's uh, um, you know, and I had a lot of female clients, you know, that would disclose, and because we're mandatory reporters, you know, and um, and you know a lot, you know, because once that happened, you had to report it, mm. you know, so. So that was, you know, that would destroy, yeah, family units, family relationships. But, you know, that's one good thing about the Australian system in regards to child protection, you know, um, is the, safe, the the overall safety of the child. So um, regardless, you know, but, you know, and, and this is a thing, you know, because you, you, we're brought up like that, you know, we're brought up to kind of, you know, to, you know we raise our sister's kids, mm. you know, we raise our nephews that are second cousins, you know. Mm. In, in, you know, and as good as that is, is that element of dysfunction is always there, you know, and so, um, and and unfortunately, um, you know, uh, some of our young people uh, received, uh, you know, the, you know, the the bottom end of the stick, you know, when they're growing up in, in that kind of um, unit, family unit, you know, and um, and because you know, in, in most of our communities, is that we don't have a voice as a young person. You know, and so, and I think that has been a huge. I think now that's where our young people are able to kind of they have the opportunity. They 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 they're educated now. They they learnt and they're taught at schools yeah. that it's okay to talk and to you know report your parents. <laughs> you know, report report your parents if you get a hiding. <laughs> but sometimes you don't know, spare the rod. You know, you spoil the child. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah. So you, you got all that, Michael. You know, I, you know, and I saw that. That that was one thing why I had to walk away eventually. Um, and I think there's a time limit when you work in that. When you work in youth work or any kind of social, especially that that because that's right front line stuff. Mm. You know, um, different if you're kind of working in policies and uh, yeah, but even when you're case working, yeah, it's all frontline work. Yeah, because it can, t- it can take a toll. Oh, it? absolutely, bro. You know, you, you take it home with you. You just mm. don't realize that you, you you do, but you take that in. You know that um, because you make those connections. Mm. You know, you, you I don't think you can work effectively if you don't make those certain connections with your client. You know, so I I was I had a lot of yeah a lot of my female clients were just. Um, uh, yeah, it was terrible, the situations, you know, like one where, and I think that was, that did it for me. Um, I think I was picking up a girl, we're doing a one-on-one at a coffee, uh, having coffee, just following up with Wally Park girls. And then, um, you know, she disclosed to me, and, you know, I'd always tell my clients and say, hey, look, you know, I'm a mandatory report. Anything you say, I'm going to have to report it. So just, you know, think about what you're going to share to me because as soon as you share it to me, I've got to, I, I, I'll, you know, I'm going to have to report it. So... Um, so yeah, and she shared to me that her stepdad was um, was 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 touching her up, and you know to the point where, you know, um, mum, you know, would be hanging out the clothes, and the stepdad's coming in, and you know, every opportunity get you know, so that kind of stuff, you know, and then you know, for me it was just like, <laughs> you know, rang up my boss, I go, look, you better pick me up before I go and give this guy a hiding. <laughs> You know, so um, and I just knew then that I had to kind of you know change, 
because um, I still want to kind of give back into the community, but I, I realized then that, you know, I had to kind of um, uh, make some kind of career choices and changes. So, and then I went to domestic violence TV and did pro- I was a project officer there from, for Perks, no, for Pewis. So I'd looked after for Pacific Island communities. So I, I looked after everything from coughs all the way down to Wollongong. So I'd be traveling every, you know, three weeks would be flying out you know doing this kind of and again that was that was again you know uh, the domestic violence again you know we all know that it doesn't discriminate you know but just seeing it in our that that was again another level of confrontation because like because i had to kind of come from the angle of a the, the male from an islander male and so we, we were going into communities running the workshops on the cycle of violence so that was another experience um uh um you know a, a positive experience but very 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 confronting okay on top of this well bro look you went through a uh you went through a stage where you of course you went through a rough patch as well but it was like through your christian faith that he turned it around that he, t- he turned it around and on top of that as well um yeah, went, yeah he turned it around and on top of that as well just shows that you know you you know at times you had your moments but it says through your you know through your christian faith and all that helped you realize you know that so like 360 degree turn um you know of course we shared this in the other podcast but as well as well it just shows that you know you turn your life around because the reason why i say this is that my cousin uh you'll know um nathaniel the queen nathaniel. Uh, oh nathaniel yes yes so he was in um he was locked up wasn't he yes we were locked up together yeah so he was locked up he's turned his life around now he's, he's, oh, a, he's wow. a concreter he's a concreter and now he's just pumping now he's just doing his part Working, Massive so. boy boy. Yeah, he is. So, um, the reason why I sh- well, why I shared, wanted to share this as well because you know there may be some people as well they they may have had that same experience as well. But if you're more than welcome to share just just a portion of it as well, bro. About um, can you just rephrase that? Sorry. No, all good, bro. I know we've got some guests yeah. that came. Yeah, in. yeah, no, that's so okay. We're having an audience around here. Sorry. <laughs> so top of that. So of course you went through a rough patch in your yes, life. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, you know you, you had your moment as well, but you turned that around. Of course, yep. with the friends that you had around you to, you know, turn in the right direction. I yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I I massive boy was uh, we were all locked up together. We, I think we were doing weekends together with your cousin. So. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that that because I was doing weekends, and I, I was he there? I got stabbed inside weekends. And um, that really made me kind of think think about my life again, you know, because you know you're doing weekend detentions, yeah. And then um, all of a sudden you get stabbed, you know. That kind of stuff doesn't happen unless you're in full time jail. Because I just come out of full time jail. That's where I met your cousin, uh, Massive Boy Boy, and Nathaniel. Oh, he cracked me up. What's his, but, nick- what's his nickname? Oh, uh, we Massive Boy Boy. <laughs> oh man, that guy, man, he was a crack up. So yeah. we were locked up together. And because he was one of the younger Fijian guys, so, um, and, you know, uh, it was, you know, again, um, that was an experience, yeah. But, look, the, the thing was, I, I think, you know, some of the events that were taking place in my life at that time, you know, jail being one of the huge thing that, um, I, I, you know, um, that really made me think about, you know, my, you know, what, what am I doing with my life? You know, and, and and knowing again, you know, because I've been brought up in a good family, you know, and um, and so all of those things started to kind of, and I had really good friends, you know, like Pastor, Pastor Stan, Pastor Jacob, Pastor Paul Lafayette. These were all my, my good friends, you know. So um, at that time, um, they were constantly still involved in my life. So, you know, Pastor, you know, because I'd see him every couple of weeks or every second week, we're in church. Oh no, he. You know, I'd go over. I was always over. So there was that constant, and I and I think that helped. You know, because yeah. um, we I had some really good relationships in the church that were, even though I was outside of church. Yeah. Um, because church is the reason why my life changed. You know, mm-hmm. I, and that's undeniable. You know, um, and uh, yeah, a lot of the people in my church, uh, in our church, um, we had a good. I had a good, strong, healthy relationship with them. And so coming back, I think that you know, coming back to God. Um, it, um, the people they were accepting, you mm. know, they never judged me, even though, um, and and that kind of you know really helped me kind of you know 
you know, get back on my feet. Mm. So it was the family, the church family that really was there for me. Awesome, you know? man. Awesome. I, I just thought I want to put that in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, it shows awesome. as much as you had your, you know, you're helping out your, the community. Yeah. Of course, being raised in the, um, you know, Haverfield Primary with Italian, you know, Italian, you know, Italians and also other mixed nationalities. But of course, you had your moment. You had that moment where, you know, you had a dear tour. But it was amazing that, of course, how the church played a part in Prince played a part in making sure that, you know, to get you back on the right track. Well, it's an amazing testament, testament for you to share, especially that part of that story. And of course, a part of your journey is an everyday Fijian. On top of that as well, bro, let's, let's, let's um, change the scenario. Yeah, yeah, no, Let's do right. another, we're gonna do here, um, four course meal, right? Four course meal. So you got, so Fijian cuisine. So you got breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert, all right? So, where are we going to start with your breakfast? Oh, okay. oh wow. Breakfast, breakfast. Topoi. <laughs> All right, breakfast. Okay, topoi. All right. My, my wife calls it a poor man's, poor man's breakfast. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's go. What happened for lunch? Lunch. Oh, mate. Lunch. Probably just your, your just old school, you know, just uh, corned beef and uh, with some onions and, and tapioca. All right. You still got room for dinner? We're going to dinner now. Oh, uh, dinner, mate. Dinner, you'd have to, uh, that, mate. Look, I, I love my curry. <laughs> curry, roti. Yep. And, um, and what else? And uh, I, I still like my curry bangani. Yep. Uh, my, my, my parents used to hate it, but I love bangani, man. Yep. So those that's egg. Hey, brother, Yori. <laughs> Alright, so that's eggplant there, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Oh, the eggplant. Right. Oh, you gotta have that. Okay, and then dessert. Oh, dessert. Uh, you know what? I love uh, uh, the tapioca yada. Yep. That would probably be my dessert. Or the, what's the one? You know, it's, it's rolled up and it stinks, but it's beautiful. Oh, bila. Bila. Yeah. Okay. So they. Bila, mate. Oh, mate. <laughs> Alright. So uh, you know what I go whenever we get, go home or someone brings it, mate, I destroy it. Yeah, wow, then it's nice. I I get you. This is With a bit of you know, I gotta have my lacquery there. Yep. <laughs> mitai mitai. Alright, hello diabetes. Anyway, oh, no. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. You, you know, in saying that, you know, I remember. You know, do they still have the radio station where you know Ratumboronganga? Is that eighty-eight point nine? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I think it's eighty. I don't know. Yeah, probably still uh, going Sunday nights or so. Yeah, and then the yeah. Wednesdays as well. All right, we've got another scenario here. Now there's um, I call this the Mount Rushmore. So we've got Jeff, uh, architect here. He's next here beside you. All right. <laughs> so you got. Even the Mount Rushmore has four faces, but we've got it five faces. Five faces you'd put, whether it be family members or Fijian players or whatever the case may be. Who would, which five faces would you put on your Mount Rushmore? Oh, man, that's a difficult one. I man, know. Because there's so many people that yeah. you want to... I um, definitely have to put, you know, probably the civil rights activist Martin Luther King. Yeah, definitely Martin Luther King, yeah. Have him. Yeah. Um, I'd probably have to have... A, Bible character, but that would be difficult because nobody knows what they look like. So, uh, you know, um, I, I guess current days. So I would have uh, probably, you know, my, my, my old man. Yep. I'd have someone like Pastor Slack. Yep. Um, you know, um, I, I guess these are the faces of those that have that are important. Yeah, and that, they're part. Um, so you got Martin Luther King, you got your dad. You got Pastor Slack. Yeah, I have Bishop Slack. Slack sorry, Bishop Slack. Um, so you got two more faces. And um, I yeah, I have brother Sam Vulivosa because okay. he had a major play in my you know important role in my life. Yeah. And um, who else, man? Uh, one more person I would have on my Mount Rushmore would be um, should I put a Fijian player? Um, yeah, man, I, I'm gonna have to choose mate. one of my, my favorite Fijian player right now at Pan- Panthers. Um, what's Kikau. his name? Kikau. Gotta have okay, to put him on there, man. So the you young, yeah, that young fella that's gonna lead us to the World Cup issue, man. Yeah, so Kikau, okay. So those are your five faces. And you said as it's difficult to choose other people, you can just put at the bottom hashtag I love everyone else. Yep, okay, 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 <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, look. Moving on, bro. Moving on. You've um, you've answered everything. You know, you've shared your story. Of course, the changes you've um, the changes you've seen, and how everything has evolved. Especially being a you know one of the first Fijians to come 
to come to come to come to Australia. Um, how important to you is you know how can I put it as I come to a close on this um as I come to a close on this one. Uh, how important is it for you is Fijian history or the Fijian way of life for you as an individual? Um, oh, uh, for me, it's it's very important, you know, because you know, really, at the end of the day, um, you know, um, that's who you are. That's who we are, right? You know, you're Fijian at the end of the day, and you know, that was something that my dad always kind of reminded me. You know, like he goes, "Look, son, no matter what, where you go in the world, end of the day, you're Fijian." That's just the bottom line. So I'm really proud of my my uh, my Fijian heritage, you know, my Fijian history, and I love reading up and all that kind of stuff. You know, I read a lot of. I've just recently been reading some some uh, symposiums um, from you know archaeologists and and all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff really fascinates me. The stuff like you know your Fiji history webpage. So I, I really love reading up and really understanding who I am, who I am, where I came from. Um, and I think every person, you know, I, I think that's part of your calling, you know, yeah, we, we find out who we are in God, you know, but I think you need to establish who you are as a person, you know, mm-hmm. your, 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 you know, um, your, your natural birth, you know, and who you are in, in that sense, you know, and I think that's really important. So I, I'm really proud of my Fijianness, yeah, and who I am as Fiji. I, I just wish I, I lost, you know, that I could, you know, speak the, the, the language fluently, um, I understand it fluently. Like I can, you know, when my my uncles and aunties are speaking, and my parents are speaking in the dialects, both in the Motherwatha dialect and the Dakhondrobe dialect, is you know, I understand it fluently. There's some things that I that's difficult to pick up on, but you know, we just heard it spoken in our families. Or, or um, but again, you know, I'm just, uh, it's uh, you know, I think it's very important, very healthy. Um, and uh, to understand who you are and who you are as a Fijian and, and, um, and yeah, read up on, on your history, you know, understand and be, you know, be proud of, uh, you know, right down to, um, and I think that's it's someone like myself that's been brought up here. Um, and one of the things that happens when you, you, you get to this kind of stage in your life uh, where you begin to kind of uh, want to know more about yourself, you know, and uh, who your family roots are, um, yeah, again, you know, it, that's a journey in itself. And I think it's, uh, yeah, again, as I said, man, I read up on it, you know, and it just blows my mind every time I read up more, um, you know, stuff about who we are as Fijians. But, um, yeah, but definitely it's a, such an important, um, you know, you, you, need to, you need to understand who you are. You know, I, that's 100%. Well, Mo, we come to the end of this podcast. I just, man, I just forgot I got one more. But before I give you this... Uh, this uh, moment, one more time, I just want to say, Banaga, uh, for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story, meeting everyday Fijian. And before um, before we close up, I'm just going to hand you, hand you one more time. And the last question is your five year goal. What is your five year goal or five year plan um, as an everyday Fijian? What do you want to achieve, especially now as a father, as a father and a husband? What do you, what, what do you see yourself yeah. um, achieving or going to lead to? Yeah, well, I think, uh, well, you know, that's a tough one, you know. That's a tough question. You know, my five-year goal is basically, uh, you know, you, you want to work towards kind of, um, um, you know, everything from kind of, you know, just making sure that there's a good balance in, 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 my, in my family, you know, everything from your finance, financials to, your, to the spiritual aspects of things, you know. So I think the next five years, you know, you, you want to be, you know, you... Um, I'm wanting to kind of, you know, look at making sure that, you know, investing in something, you know, um, in a, in my, in a property or a house, you know, I want to make that, you know, within the next five years that, you know, that, that's something, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm about to hit 50 soon. Yeah. So, um, that, that's one that another thing is, you know, in the next five years, you know, I want to make sure that, uh, um, you know, that you're leaving a legacy, you know, for, for your kids, you know, and whether that's, you know, um, um, both uh, spiritually, um, you know, with ministerial, you know, you want to, you know, make sure that your you, you, your life is just kind of balanced and um, and you know that your you know your commitment to the things of God are consistent, you know. Um, but main, yeah, mainly I think one of the huge things is is making sure that my life has been managed well, you know, and um, and you know whether you know I'm not saying that material possessions are everything, you know, but that. You know, just as a whole, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm being, you know, 
being a Christian, you know, mm. and being content with who I am and, yeah. uh, and that I can be able to give back to people. So Nice. Well, thank I, you I so much. I know that's vague, but... No, all good, man. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard Mo share his story as an everyday Fijian living in an everyday world. So I do hope that you've taken something out of it, you know, from the young fella from, you know, with links to Madawata and Lakondrovi, as he's now here in Australia, living here. And of course, you know, just had his journey being shared on this podcast. So I do hope you take something out of it. Once again, I'm your host, Makali Kuzandri, sharing, of course, the everyday Fijian, living in the everyday world, sharing the everyday story. Till next time, on the next podcast, thank you once again. Naga, take care. Mwabe.